just kind of interesting and special place in my heart. And so my dad was here in the 70s and through uh, the early 80s. And so I, I was born in 1980, so I don't remember the 70s, which I'm pretty grateful for, I think. And... Uh, <laughs> And so this is actually uh, my first home church. Uh, I don't remember a lot because we moved away when I was two, uh, but I've always had this kind of special place in my heart. And uh, with my family kind of keep returning here over the years, uh, it's always been just a, a place that we always just refer to and just great fondness of uh, how your guys' church uh, has influenced our family and kind of the ricochet effect, which now we're, uh, I'm in Albany, New York, and we're a five-year-old church plant, and I'll talk about that uh, more in the next little bit, but... And one of the things you hope uh, when you plant a church or any kind of a church is that it's going to have impact. And you see the impact uh, in the room each week of the people who actually come. But there's a bigger kind of cascading effect of every single church, I think. And uh, our family, I think, is a little bit of an example of what Southside has been able to do uh, through your impact over the years of how you were able to help uh, bring up my family uh, when we were uh, little kids, my sister and I, uh, and then how you were able to help send off uh, my brother, uh, my brother-in-law. They were campus ministers in Cincinnati for a lot of years, and you guys helped support them. And uh, like Adam said, for the last five years, you guys have been helping us get planted uh, with a new church in Albany. You guys have sent teams out. You guys have sent a lot of money. Uh, and there's uh, I'll show you actually a picture. So this is uh, our church uh, in Albany. Uh, that's a couple uh, weeks ago, actually. But right now uh, in Albany, they're... Yeah, they're just actually getting started. So it's 10.30 Eastern time right now. Uh, so they're getting started in Albany. Uh, we meet in an Elks Lodge on Sunday mornings. And there's a group of people uh, that are meeting for church. Uh, uh, most of them who, uh, till very recently, had never been a part of a church before. A lot of them had never been introduced to Jesus before. And they are there in part, uh, actually a large part, because of the sacrifice that you guys have made uh, when you guys have given money to this church, when you guys have given prayers, uh, some of you who have been out to visit us. And so we are just incredibly uh, grateful for this church and the impact that you guys have had. Uh, so I want to let you know uh, a little bit uh, about Albany. Uh, so has anybody been to Albany before? Uh, so you've been on a trip. And so, uh, so Albany, we're about two hours north of New York City. Uh, so that's always a, a little thing. So we're kind of, we have the same kind of syndrome that maybe you guys have of uh, everyone thinks that everything in Illinois is Chicago. Uh, everything thinks that everything in New York is New York City. Uh, we're north of that, uh, but we have a little bit of uh, uh, correspondence with New York City, which is a lot of fun. Uh, but a couple of our maybe not so popular claim to fames over the last couple years have come uh, through a group called the Barna Study. Uh, the Barna is a research group, a Christian research group, uh, and they have found that Albany is kind of on the wrong side of a lot of the kind of Christian statistics. Uh, so here's just a, a few of them. A few years ago, they found that we are one of the least churched uh, cities in America. Uh, so this study actually shows that we're the eighth least church uh, study. Uh, that's actually gone down uh, a few years ago. It was, I think we were three or four, kind of hovered around there. Uh, and what that study shows is that people in our city are not likely at all to, on a Sunday morning, decide that they want to go and be a part of a church. Uh, I actually think that stat is a little bit skewed uh, because the way they asked that question, they said, have you been to a religious service, not necessarily even a Christian, but a religious service of any kind in the last two years? Uh, and what we have uh, in Albany, uh, and this isn't derogatory, they say this about themselves, uh, we have a lot of uh, people who call themselves priesters. Have you guys heard this before? Uh, Christer is people who only go to church on Christmas and Easter. 
priesters. Uh, and so they go to the Episcopal, oftentimes, or Catholic church that their parents, maybe their grandparents still go to. And so they'll pop in for that service. It's kind of like a religious exercise, um, but they're not normally a part of that church. They don't recognize people. It doesn't have the church family uh, kind of a vibe to it. Uh, the year we opened, five years ago, uh, the Catholic diocese closed 33 of their parishes, uh, just vacant buildings, uh, vacant church buildings all over uh, the city of Albany for sale, being torn down. Uh, right next to uh, the place where we meet on Sunday mornings, there's an old Methodist church, uh, and unfortunately... Uh, this morning, they'll have about a dozen or so people uh, that show up in that service. And that's the story of many church buildings throughout uh, our city is big, beautiful buildings with not very many people inside because people just have kind of drifted away from church. Uh, and they came up with another study. Uh, and in this one, they found that we're one of the least post-Christian uh, cultures in America. And so this, it means that when it comes to Christian values, uh, when it comes to the idea of giving, uh, really generosity in general, but especially giving to a church, uh, practicing the values that Jesus taught, uh, people in our city are least likely to live those out, or especially even if they do, to subscribe that they're doing that at all uh, because of uh, Christianity. Uh, I think a good representation of this it's kind of how removed we are from even really thinking about Christianity uh, or how much of uh, when people think about church, what they think about. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, we had a snowstorm, as you guys are kind of having right now, which is interesting. Uh, and so they uh, canceled a lot of the churches in our area. A lot of these churches that don't really have a lot of people going, but they were announcing that they were closing because of the snowstorm. Uh, so our newspaper put out an article saying, uh, it was on Saturday, saying that the churches were going to close, and they put it out on Facebook. And then I was interested, and I saw all kinds of comments starting to generate underneath this uh, uh, uh thing on Facebook saying that all these churches were going to be closing. So like, I wonder what people are commenting about about this. And so here's just some of the comments uh, that people are putting on there. People are saying things like, uh, wouldn't God get people there safely? Uh, it's kind of a little you know, jab at God, which is fun. Uh, can't we just pray the snow away? Uh, oh no, my weekend plans are shot now. Because uh, uh, people just aren't thinking, why would you ever go to church? Uh, a couple more. Uh, but we are clear for Saturday during the day, right? So as long as my Saturday plans are good, that's what I really care about. Uh, told you uh, you're going to have to pray at home and oh no, who's going to hell now? Uh, and that's when I talk to a lot of my friends, a lot of my neighbors, that's kind of their thought when they think of church. I mean, it's, it's, it's a punchline. It, it's a joke. It's something that yeah, maybe some other people go to, but it's definitely not something uh, for me. Uh, and then of uh, for us today, uh, the stat that I want to focus on, uh, you guys are in a study about the Bible right now. Uh, and so we found that we are the least, or Barna found, that we are the least Bible-minded uh, uh, culture in America. Uh, so we're out of, they ranked uh, from 1 to 100, and we are number 100. We are dead last when it comes to people who read the Bible who know about the Bible, who really uh, look at the Bible for advice, who believe that the Bible is inspired, who believe that the Bible is reliable. Uh, a lot of people would have just kind of pushed it off uh, a little bit. Uh, again, I think a great example of people who really, again, there's a few people, and we'll talk about this, that are pretty skeptical uh, of the Bible. But a lot of our friends and neighbors just really don't even know much about the Bible at all. Uh, we have a, a 
good friend uh, who's in our church now. Uh, he's uh, become a Christian uh, throughout the ministry of Christ Church Albany. Uh, he's actually working sound right now uh, at our church in Albany. Uh, but uh, almost six years ago, he had never been to a church service before, and we invited him to join us for our Easter service. Uh, and this was at a church that I was working at before we started Christ Church Albany. And we are there for Easter service, and on the stage that day, we had three big props on the stage. Uh, we had a big cross, we had a big tomb, and we had a curtain that was torn in two. And he was sitting next to his uh, fiance at the time. Her name was Alice. Uh, and he elbowed Alice, and he's like, what is that? And he's like, yeah, that's the tomb. He's like, what, what, what tomb? What do you mean tomb? You know, Jesus, you know, was in the tomb, and you rose from the dead. He had never heard the story before. Uh, it was a totally foreign idea to him. He knew as much about the main, what we would consider, I think, to be the main story of the Bible as a lot of us know about any other kind of scattered religion in the world, you know, Sikhism or... uh, uh, He knew almost nothing about it. Uh, And that's the case for a lot of the folks uh, in our city, is they've just never been uh, introduced to the Bible. And if they have been introduced to it, it hasn't been all that positive of an experience. And so I, I fill you in on all that uh, for a couple reasons. Uh, one, I want you to know about what we're doing in Albany and uh, let you know just how important your support is uh, because it's a difficult area. Even though it's in our country, it very much feels like a mission field and it's been a, a difficult thing uh, to start a new church out there even though we've seen God move in amazing ways. And so we're just thank you for your support for that. Uh, to encourage you to keep praying for us because we really need prayers. Uh, but for today... I think it's important that you guys know what's happening in Albany because what people that are way smarter than me with culture and how things move, what they all say is that what happens on the coast has a way of eventually moving across to the center parts of the country. And that what's happening in Albany of people starting to leave churches and churches starting to be deserted and people not all that interested in reading the Bible and having a more skeptical view of this whole God, Jesus, religious thing in general is slowly starting to fade your way. And I'm guessing already for some of you, maybe for most of you, you know somebody in your life who fits into some sort of a skeptical, walked away from church, not sure about the Bible category. Maybe it's someone that you work with. Maybe it's someone who you know, and they used to be in this room at one point or another, but they've just kind of drifted off, and now you know they're not too sure about the whole thing. Uh, Maybe it's someone in your family. Maybe it's a spouse. Uh, Maybe it's one of your kids. And you know that if you bring up the topic of the Bible especially... And you try to say that this is something that you should be living your life by. Their thought is going to be, no, 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 no. That is not something that I want a part of my life. And you can't come and wave that book in my face and try to tell me, here's how I'm supposed to live my life. But you love them. Of course you do. Uh, And you're trying to find a way to be able to take this book that for a lot of us has meant so much. Uh, and this Jesus that has meant so much, and try to communicate it in a way that makes sense. Uh, also, I, guess I should definitely bring up, for some of you, it might actually be you. Uh, you might be here today, and uh, maybe everyone else even thinks that you're in on this whole thing. Um, but as we talk about the whole Bible thing, uh, you have some pretty big questions about the whole thing, and you have some pretty big doubts. 
Uh, and if you're honest, you have a little bit of kind of one foot out the door uh, already. Uh, and you're looking for a different way to be able to view uh, this whole thing. And I'd love to be able to talk uh, to you today uh, as we go through uh, all this. Uh, so as we'll get us a couple questions uh, that we've been trying to figure out with our church over the last five years that we can look at today. Uh, first question, how do you share Jesus in a culture that doesn't know or care about him? In a culture where a lot of people aren't following Jesus, aren't thinking about Jesus, uh, how do we get them to try to look at Jesus uh, for the first time? Uh, what we've learned is that we can't just like open the doors uh, of a church up on Sunday morning and just say, hey, we're open and just wait for the floodgates of people to come in. Uh, we have to build bridges to be able to get to them. Uh, and then when it comes to the Bible, how do you share the Bible in a culture that doesn't know or care? Uh, how do we take this book uh, that has such important things uh, that can change people's lives? And if they're resistant to it, if they don't care about it, if they've never been introduced to it, uh, what are some things that we can do to make it a little bit better uh, for them? Uh, so I'm going to go uh, over a couple things that have been super helpful for us over the last five years as I have talked to some of my friends and some of my neighbors uh, who previously didn't care about the Bible. Some of them still don't care about the Bible. We're working on them still. Uh, but some things that have been really helpful. Uh, and I hope that if you have someone in your life, that this can be helpful for you. Uh, and to so try to imagine uh, as we're going through these things uh, that maybe you're sitting at uh, a coffee shop somewhere. Uh, maybe you're sitting uh, on a, a curb when it's warmer out uh, with one of your neighbors and you're talking about this faith that means something to you and how you want to pass that on. Uh, so a couple of things I kind of want us to relook at and challenge. So one of the things that uh, when I was growing up uh, in church uh, that was often presented to me about the Bible is this idea that the Bible at its core is easy and it's clear. Uh, that really all you have to do is you just, the Bible is so powerful, and if you just get up and if you just read the Bible, then it's just easy and clear for everyone to understand. Uh, and I always loved uh, that image uh, as a kid, and especially as a Bible college kid. Uh, my uh, brother-in-law, who used to uh, work here, helped start the Southwest Campus. Uh, I remember one time when we were in uh, Bible college, Lincoln Christian University, he came and did a devotion on our dorm floor, and all he did for the devotion was he read through a book of the Bible. He read through the book of James. And to a bunch of Bible college students, that was incredibly powerful. Uh, I remember another time uh, when I was a youth minister, uh, we were at a, a Christian teen conference. It was called uh, CIY, I think they call it MOVE now. Uh, and there was a professor from another Bible college, uh, Ozark Bible College. And he got up and from memory, he quoted the entire book of Philippians, uh, another uh, book in the Bible. And it was just kind of this incredibly powerful thing. And that's something that I always had in my head, is that all you have to do is get up and just read the Bible and present the Bible, and it's going to be so clear and easy that people will just automatically respond to it. And before like, anyone gets like, too ruffled, there's a part of that that is definitely true. Uh, my uh, grandfather uh, was a Gideon. Uh, the people who lead the Bibles uh, in the hotels. Uh, and there are some super cool stories about people who have read the Bible for the first time and had something break through. And there are parts of the Bible that are incredibly easy and clear if you read them. But I think what is a huge help as you start to reach out to people uh, or as you start to reconnect with someone in your life who has walked away from the Bible is to be able to have the courage to admit that there's parts of the Bible that are actually really hard to understand, that are actually pretty confusing. 
Uh, and there's a couple reasons uh, of why I feel confidence in saying that. One is because I've had enough interaction with people that are new to the Bible. And I will encourage them like, hey, go and read the Bible. You know, like, here's a reading plan similar to what you guys are doing now. And they will come back and just talk about just parts that they didn't understand at all. Uh, or one of the recurring things that I'll hear from people is they'll say something like, man, like when you're speaking on Sunday morning, and it just makes so much sense. And like I, uh, what you explained about the text, that seems super clear. But then I went and I read it myself and I just, I got to these parts, you know, and I just didn't really make that much sense to me. It also makes sense to me because as, as a preacher, uh, as a Bible college graduate, uh, I've had my fair share of times uh, where I've been reading through a text of scripture, and I'm like, what is this really saying? Uh, I've had times where I was preparing for a sermon before, and for a couple days studying for a sermon, I'm looking at the same text and saying, what is this thing about? Because there's a part about it that's just a little bit confusing. Uh, actually, if we can just kind of have a moment of group honesty. If you've ever read through any portion of the Bible, and uh, thought it was a little bit confusing or a little bit unclear. Would you be bold enough to kind of raise your hand? thought it was a little bit. Yeah. Uh, now, here's the last part, uh, which is why I think that it's, uh, the Bible can be a little bit un- uh, confusing sometimes. It's because the people who wrote the Bible, one of them said that one of the other people who wrote the Bible sometimes wrote in a way that was a little bit hard to understand. Uh, here's what it says. Uh, this is uh, Peter. So Peter was one of Jesus' followers, followed Jesus all around. Uh, and he's writing a letter, Second Peter. He says this. He says, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless. So looking forward to Jesus coming back. Uh, good times. Blameless and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with wisdom that God gave him. So now Peter uh, is writing a letter that's going to be in the Bible someday, is writing about Paul, who also wrote a majority, actually, of our New Testament. Uh, And Peter just gave us a really important kind of tidbit about what he believes about Paul. He believes that Paul wrote with wisdom that God gave him. Uh, So that's an important thing of what we believe uh, about the Bible, is that Peter's saying that Paul wasn't just randomly writing letters here, but that he was writing letters under some kind of wisdom from God. Uh, We would call it inspiration from God, which is a a big deal. Uh, But then he goes on this. He writes the same way in all of his letters, speaking in them of these matters, his letters contain some things, not all things, but some things that are hard to understand. Uh, and I don't know why I, I missed that little verse in the Bible for a long, long time. Um, but when I first saw that a couple of years ago, I, I was pretty relieved, to be honest. I was like, oh, Thank you, Peter, for saying this, uh, because there's some parts where we're reading parts of Paul and the other parts where I'm like, what is this guy trying to say? This is hard to understand. And I'll tell you, you will build so much credibility with the people in your life who have moved away from the Bible, who are a little bit skeptical of the Bible. Uh, we'll have the courage to admit, yeah, there's some parts of this that are a little hard to accept. 
Uh, there's some parts of this that are a little bit hard to understand, and I get it. And to actually be able to bring up to them that there's actually parts in the Bible where the people who wrote the Bible said about the Bible, that parts of it can be a little bit hard to understand. And probably what you guys are learning in the series is that there's good reason for that. Uh, the Bible is a really old book uh, written over 2,000 years ago, written in multiple languages, written by multiple authors. Uh, there's a lot of kind of cultural and language and lots of uh, barriers that we have to dig through to what is a very powerful and wise message from God. Um, Peter goes on then uh, and says that some of these things that are hard to understand sometimes, uh, which ignorant and unstable people can distort as they do other scriptures to their own destruction. Uh, and that's again, uh, friends of mine, uh, neighbors of mine, friends, neighbors of yours that have turned away from the Bible. Part of the issue that they have with the Bible is way that, the ways that they've seen people who have taken words of scripture and taken them out of context and have done some really terrible things throughout history. Uh, for some of them, have done some really terrible things to them personally. And they did it by taking the Bible uh, and they've taken things that were maybe a little bit unclear uh, and they have distorted them uh, and they have kind of messed them up. Uh, and again, you will build so much credibility with the people in your life if we can admit that to people and say, oh yeah, no, there's been parts of the Bible that have really been uh, kind of messed up. The, the, what the original words were were great, uh, but people who were a little bit ignorant have distorted them a little bit. Uh, and again, just bring a little more home. I don't think that when Peter said that, that's not just like some people. You know, it's, not, it's not just like the small category of people that are ignorant and have distorted Scripture. Uh, but I think anyone, if they're honest and uh, humble, who's ever had the privilege to be able to preach, anyone who's ever had the privilege to teach a Sunday school class, has at one point or another done something that was a little bit ignorant. Maybe they didn't take the time to study enough. Maybe they didn't take the time to look enough. And it said some things that were a little bit distorted about Scripture. Uh, I know I can definitely look back. Uh, I'll let Adam and Brooks uh, do their own confession at a different time. Uh, but there's times where I can look back at sermons that I did in my younger days, a week ago, two weeks ago. And there's times that I wish I could go back with some whiteout and say, what was I thinking? Why did I say that? I was totally not seeing that in the right direction. And again, that just builds so much truthful credibility uh, amongst people that are struggling with the Bible to say, yeah, if you heard something from a preacher that just didn't sound right, maybe it wasn't right. If you saw people do something uh, in the name of God, in the name of the Bible, and they had a verse behind it, and they were holding a sign that seemed just so mean and so angry, and somehow they found a Bible verse to support that, don't throw the Bible out with that. Be able to say, you know what, maybe that was just someone who, you know, God love them. They were a little bit ignorant. and come, I've been a little bit ignorant before too. Uh, and they just distorted it a little bit, and it got a little bit messed up. Uh, something that uh, we found super helpful uh, in our church, uh, we're a, a part of a, a movement that goes back to the 1800s called the Restoration Movement. This church is a part of that too. Uh, and there's a lot that we don't do a ton with that uh, anymore. Uh, but there's 
A couple things that uh, the people who started the restoration movement back in the 1800s, they had a couple uh, kind of calls or decrees that they brought up uh, that were super, super helpful, I think. Uh, and one of them uh, was they brought up this old, uh, a lot of people say Augustine, we don't really know, uh, but an old Augustine quote uh, that says this, in essentials, we want to have unity, in opinions, liberty, uh, and then in all things, love. Uh, and the idea with that is that when it comes to Christians, when it comes to people who do take the Bible seriously, that there's some things that are essential. There's some things that are worth really kind of driving to the ground and say, you know, we all have similarities about this. Uh, I believe when I looked on your guys' website, uh, you guys had about eight different core beliefs that you would say are essential. Uh, now, if you've read through the Bible, the Bible has to say a lot about a lot more things than eight things. Uh, so what you can really bank on is that there's eight things that we can say, here's the things that are super, super important. But there's other things that as you read through the Bible, as smart people look through the Bible, they might have some different opinions on. And that will give you a lot of street credit as we kind of bring that back. And that's been helpful for us. Uh, last thing that's been super helpful uh, for us. Uh, this is a, another Bible passage. This is from uh, the book of Jude. Uh, Jude, uh, one of the brothers of Jesus, which is just kind of a, a crazy deal to imagine growing up with Jesus. Uh, and one of the things that uh, I, I bring up Jude and James so much uh, with the people that uh, are, are non-Christians because they grew up with Jesus. They got to see Jesus. They got to see Jesus in his adolescence and growing up. And they got to see Jesus in his ministry, three-year ministry on earth. And what's interesting uh, about both James and Jude, maybe some other siblings in there too, but especially them, is that they didn't believe in Jesus the entire time. Uh, there's some crazy stories uh, through uh, the four books that talk about the story of Jesus, about when his brothers uh, at different times kind of went out of their way to let Jesus know, we kind of think you're crazy. We think you've gone too far, uh, which, I mean, how, how would you not? You know, if your brother is claiming to be the Son of God, if your brother is claiming to be the Messiah, and they just didn't believe, and they pushed him off, and they thought he was crazy, and they tried to, like, uh, kind of keep bringing him off the public circuit. And it wasn't until well after the resurrection uh, that James and Jude ended up becoming Christians. And so Jude has this great mark uh, in, in a short little book. He says this line, he says, Be merciful to those who doubt. Uh, I love that because you just think through... Jude's life uh, and how much of I me mean, he's supposed to like I can't believe I missed it for all those years uh, and my brother what it was you know, it, it turned out to all be true just but for years I was just pushing it off and pushing it off uh, and I think what Jude was thinking was he was looking back to all those times that he was probably telling Jesus to his face you're crazy you got to stop this stop, stop making these claims they're going to end up killing you because of this and Jesus was just never like pointing the finger at him, never yelling at him, never saying, how come you're not believing? What's wrong with you, Jude? That, that Jesus was just merciful to Jude. And slowly, in his own time, he came along. And if you have someone in your life who is doubting, someone in your life who's not sure about the whole thing, maybe someone in your life who's even walked away from the whole thing, my biggest encouragement to you is to be merciful to them. One of the most reoccurring stories uh, that we hear out in Albany is that someone in their family at some point walked away from church. Uh, sometimes it was them who walked away from church. Sometimes it was their parents who walked away from church. Sometimes it was their uh, grandparents who walked away from church. 
And oftentimes, the story has something to do with that they were in some sort of a class. Sometimes it was a confirmation class or some sort of a church setting. Uh, and they sort of had these questions and doubts. And they started to present their questions and doubts to the, to the teacher, to the people in the class. And they were very strictly told, you're not allowed to ask those kind of questions. You're not allowed to have those kind of doubts. And so they thought, well, I, I, guess, I guess I'm just out because uh, I, I can't take them away. I have those kind of doubts, and so they just kind of left. And so if you have people in your midst that have questions and doubts, let them ask. Uh, Let them dive in. Uh, Because what we believe uh, about this message of Jesus and about the Bible is that it's not a myth and that it's not made up and that it is actually true and that we can hold it up with confidence and that we don't need to be like scared that like someone's going to be able to poke holes through it with a bunch of doubts, uh, but that we can say, yeah, well, let's go. Let's, let's uh, take your line of thought to its nth degree and let's really see if your questions really pan out. Let's see if this thing is really true or not. Because if the whole thing is made up, I would love to know that because I've really invested a lot of time and energy into this. But if it's true... I would love for you to know that because this is life-changing. And the result uh, of all that is is that we have seen uh, lives started to be changed as a result of all that. Uh, One of the the lives, there's a gal who has been coming to our church uh, since last November. Uh, Her name is Lauren. Uh, She actually uh, found our church uh, through a big service event uh, that we do where we work with multiple different uh, nonprofits and just trying to reach out into the community uh, in that way. Uh, Through the process of her starting to come, uh, she had a a spouse, a husband, who was not a believer. Uh, And so she just was hoping for the day that her spouse would be interested in church. And so here's a a letter that she wrote me uh, a little bit ago. Uh, this was uh, in response to an email that we had sent, uh, just kind of going over some of these same ideas of how it's so important if you have someone in your life who's not there yet, just to be patient and be kind in the process and allow them to ask questions. Uh, I can't tell you how relevant this is. I'd say the same thing is true for Ryan. Uh, Ryan is her husband who has all these doubts and not sure. It's a slow process. But it's made so much easier by having a church that lives and breathes Christ. It can be so much less intimidating for people who have had less than stellar impressions of church in their past to come to a community event and get involved. And really, truly, uh, I believe that they get to see God at work in a more authentic way when we interact with the community. Uh, And one of the things I think is so true about this is way before people ever read the Bible and we want them to do that, they're going to read you first. And if you're living these things out, if they see that this is true on you and your flesh, then that's going to matter big time. Uh, and that's what uh, Warren was able to see in a more authentic way when we interact with the community. Then they will likely uh, behind closed doors at a church service where things feel and look a little bit more foreign to them. I am so grateful that God led me to CCA, Christ Church Albany, and to continue to pray it will open hearts and doors, not only for my husband, but others in my life as well. I invited a friend who has been a lifelong Catholic and her husband, who is a lifelong atheist, to the September 30th service, this past September before I realized it was going to be a food service. Uh, every, we stole this from you guys, actually. Every uh, time we have five Sundays in a month, we do a big potluck, uh, which is a great way. So people aren't sure about the Bible. They're always sure about food, which is great. Uh, 
Now I'm all the more jazzed knowing it's hard to have a bad experience anywhere where there's food involved. Uh, that was about a week before the service. Uh, they came to the service. And so there in the audience uh, was Lauren sitting next to her non-Christian atheist husband. Uh, and then there was her friend, uh, Christine, and she's sitting next to her uh, atheist husband. Uh, and in, in our world, in Albany, that is a pretty normal thing. Uh, every Sunday when I look out at my audience, uh, there's about 50% of the audience that would say that they're either not a Christian yet uh, or are very new and exploring uh, the whole thing. And she wrote me this uh, after being in service on that day. Uh, I just wanted to reach out and let you know uh, how much your message spoke to me today. Uh, I feel very moved to send up my prayers for you this morning, uh, primarily sparked by the song Save My Life, song she'd heard. Uh, but the trigger for the prayers also came from the fact that I knew not only would I have my non-Christian husband with me, but that my friend would also be bringing her non-Christian husband. I can't speak for them and what they needed to hear today, but wow, your whole message was clearly God reaching out to someone there today, and I couldn't help but lift up prayers of thanksgiving all throughout this day. And some of you know a Lauren who has someone in their life. Uh, some of you are Lauren, uh, and it's the person that maybe you're even with today, uh, and they're struggling with this whole deal. Uh, and be merciful. Let them know that sometimes it's not always uh, clear. Sometimes it can be a little bit hard to understand. But it's transforming, and it's amazing. And it has the ability to do for us what nothing else on the world can do. Because at its heart, uh, once you get through sometimes the, the work of having to read through parts of the Bible, uh, when you do get the parts to understand, what you understand is that there's a God who loves us. And that is amazing. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much for... these... 66 ancient books and letters uh, that you have uh, kept for us over the last 2,000 years. Uh, and sometimes they can be a little bit hard to understand. They can be a little bit tough for us to navigate. And especially for people that are brand new to this whole deal, it can be very tough. Uh, and they have doubts and they have questions that uh, oftentimes are really good doubts and are really good questions. And so help us to be the kind of people uh, that we can help them uh, to navigate that. Uh, that we can do that by be, being humble enough to admit that sometimes this is difficult. That we can be merciful to them. And that we can help slowly walk along them as they discover this. And that through it, that they can see you and who you are. Take me pray. Amen.